Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, Steve and Elijah are going to catch up on all the board game news and give you a top five review. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. Steve here with a special guest. Hi, I'm Kim. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I will cover some news and then we're going to talk about one of our favorite games we like to play together. That is Marvel Legendary. Let's talk about some news. The first game I'll talk about is a game called Moon. Moon is inspired by the computers to help land people on the moon. This game is fairly abstract. You place one of four players. In this game, you'll be working together to try to complete 16 gold cards. To complete these gold cards, you'll be using nine operation cards. These operation cards reflect real computer concepts. So stuff like incrementing, decrementing, using AND gates, OR gates, and moving registries around. If you can use the operation cards and complete the gold cards efficiently enough, you can win the game. So that game is Moon. It's currently funded on Kickstarter, and the Kickstarter ends April 30th. The next game we'll talk about is a cooperative zombie game, and that is Carnival Zombie 2nd Edition. The next game we'll talk about is Carnival Zombie 2nd Edition. This is a cooperative zombie game where you'll be playing as heroes in Renaissance Venice. During the day, you'll be working together to build barricades, recover from wounds, and searching for people and items. And at nighttime, you'll be fending off the boss and horde of zombies as they attack. If any hero gets attacked too much, they become stressed, and if it becomes too much stress, the game's over. If you can defeat the scenario, you win the game. This new second edition will come with additional scenarios including competitive mode and dexterity play. So that was Carnival Zombie 2nd Edition. It's currently funded on Kickstarter and will end April 18th. The next game we'll talk about is Folklore, The Fall of the Spire. This is also returning to Kickstarter as an expansion for Folklore the Affliction. Folklore is a dark fantasy cooperative dungeon crawl. It takes on a heavy RPG feel as you progress through the scenario of the campaign, and this new version will be adding more combat options. The game supports 1-5 to five players, so if you're looking for a darker dungeon crawl type game, go check out Folklore The Fall of the Spire. It's currently funded on Kickstarter, and the campaign will end April 18th. The next game I'll mention is Fujikoro Deluxe. This is a competitive and cooperative game that supports 1-6 to six players. Instigating players are acting as samurai entering a volcano that contains three temples. Each of these ten temples are slowly sinking into the lava. And it's up to the heroes to gather relics, level up, save monks, and explore everything and bring all the relics back to Shogun before the volcano erupts. On a personal note, this game includes dragons, so it's a huge plus for me. That game is Fujikoro Deluxe. It's currently funded on Kickstarter. The campaign ends April 19th. The next game I'll mention is Exodus Chronicles. This is a 4X space game. This is a new standalone game. You might have heard of Exodus Proxima Centauri, which is a competitive 4X game. And the reason why I'm mentioning Chronicles on this podcast is because they unlock solo and cooperative play. So in this game, you'll be choosing a faction, leveling up your ships, flooring, exploiting, exterminating, and going against an evil alien force that's taking over the galaxy, the Centaurians. You win by wiping them out or earning more victory points than the alien race by the end of the game. You lose if you don't have as enough victory points as the enemies or if they wipe you out. This game is currently not funded on Kickstarter 
and the campaign ends April 12th, and that is Exodus Chronicles. The last game I mentioned is a smaller game. This is Pocket Landship. This game is a solo or two-player cooperative dice game where you'll be manning a tank, a steampunk tank, trying to take out these giant mechs. So you'll be choosing how you arm your tank and using these weapons by allocating dice rolls to trigger abilities and take out as many mechs as possible. If you take out all the mechs in the game, you win. Pocket Landship is currently funded. And the campaign will end April 9th. So with that, let's jump into our discussion on Marvel Legendary. So we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to do the five points format. Instead, we're just going to have a discussion on the game, Marvel Legendary. If you're not familiar with this game, this game is a deck builder game set in the Marvel Universe. You are drafting heroes from the Marvel Universe and you choose five heroes per game, generally, and adding them to your deck of shield agents, using these heroes to try to take down an evil mastermind. All the while, the mastermind will be using a scheme, which is his evil plot to try to win the game. So you're trying to kill the mastermind while stopping his plot. This game is normally played semi-cooperatively, where you will be keeping track of victory points, but how my wife and I play it is fully cooperative, so we thought we'd cover it on this episode. That is true, although sometimes at the end of the game I count the points anyway. That's true. <laughs> and who normally wins that one? That'd be me. Yeah, I admit it. <laughs> so. so if you're not familiar with a deck builder, but this is very similar to those other deck builders out there, where you'd be starting with a hand of six cards... From the time of six cards, we'll be playing cards to generate recruit points, which is your money in this game. You'll also be using cards to generate attack, and this attack will let you defeat villains and ultimately defeat the mastermind to win the game. And you can buy cards in a market board. And once you buy a card in a market board, you add that card to your discard pile, and you immediately replace the card you just purchased. And the cards you always purchase are always hero cards of various types. And like I said before, there's five different heroes you put in there, and each hero comes with a different rarity card. So there are two common cards, one uncommon card, and one rare. And the rare cards are normally pretty awesome in this game. Yeah, they're the ultimate card, you know, the, the super move for that particular character. Yeah, that, exactly. And the cool thing about this game is the artwork changes between those, where the common cards tend to have more borders and more graphics around it, and the ultimate card tends to be like a full picture. Yeah, I think this game does a really good job in sharing the art and the characters and trying to dive into each character's individuality and still making them look cohesive all together. On a player's turn, you will flip over the top card of the villain deck. And the villain deck consists of henchmen, which are little weak guys, they're easy to beat, generally. And then you'll be going against different villain groups, and one of the masterminds always comes with its own villain group. So there's some thematic cohesiveness in that sense. There are also scheme twists in the deck, and that is symbolizing their evil plot advancing. And what these scheme twists do will be defined by a scheme card you choose. And so that's going to vary. So that's going to vary in each game based upon the scheme you're going against. And finally, the other card in the villain deck is a master strike, and that is thematically the mastermind attacking the players. So that's the mastermind super move, in my opinion. Or no, is that wrong? No, that could be it. Yeah. Okay. So that's a brief description of what the game Legendary is like, like in too much detail. Let's just jump into our discussion. So Kim, why do you like Marvel Legendary so much? I enjoy 
a lot because of the theme. I'm a superhero nerd as well. Granted, that has grown since being married to you, but I'm not complaining in that sense. <laughs> what are you trying to say? No, it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's gotten pretty bad, this superhero in our household. Anyway, but the cooperativeness of it, I'm a huge cooperative player, and that's typically the only type of game I'll play. And this game in particular is easy to pick up. Steve got me in on Dominion early on, and I really, really like that game. And there are several similarities to that game, so it was, you know, an easy game to, to jump into. I also like the fact that even though you're playing the same game, each time it does change because there are so many different characters that you can choose from and they bounce off from each other in you know a hundred different ways i don't even know how many scheme twist expansion packs or whatever you have purchased um and then all the masterminds so every game you know it might feel like the 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 gameplay is similar but the game itself still feels different yeah and i think that's a huge pro for this game the variety in this game is up there i think this is the game that has the most variety in the collection i've i own probably any game i've experienced honestly without the amount of expansions that come out that's because you can take any mastermind and pair it up with any scheme and pair that up with any henchman and any villain and any hero and that combination of cards is going to change the game dramatically it is and you can also scale like the difficulty of this game because some scenarios are easier than others. They're more beginner masterminds. Um, so if you have a newer game player or someone who may not really know the theme all that well, you don't want to throw the book at them right away. So it maybe would keep them a little more engaged early on. Yes, and there's even some official variant rules in the book that can modify the difficulty. And one of the sets that came out recently, the X-Men set, came out with these horror cards, which were are the official variants in card form. And Kim and I play one variant all the time, just no matter what. And that's the variant where the Mastermind has one extra health. We like to always play where you have to hit him one more time to defeat him. Because in the base game, you only have to hit him four times, but we like to play with him five times, the last, last final hit. I know, and sometimes I regret that decision. <laughs> so yeah, huge amount of variety, and... It normally works out pretty well, but there are some situations where you may have a game that is significantly harder or significantly easier in some cases. For example, if the Mastermind requires you to be playing uh, a tech card, and in this game you have five different types of cards. And so there's strength, there's covert, there's range, and there's tech, and instinct. So there's just basically each hero has different types. And also, each hero also has a team affiliation. And so you will be playing uh, a team affiliation or a type of card to power the other cards you play later in that game. And so if you're playing as a mastermind that says, hey, this bad thing's going to happen unless you play a tech card, well, guess what? If you don't even have a tech card in the marketplace, that's going to be a harder game out on the offset. Oh, for sure. But at the same time, you know, that makes you really think about how you would build a deck based on what your pool of characters are against that particular mastermind. And sometimes, you know, your deck just flat out doesn't work. And that can be frustrating, but that's, you know, a game and that's part of it. So then you just have to problem solve and, and take down the bad guy in any other way and maybe just hope that your partner, your cohorts in the adventure 
kind of pick up your slack. But yeah, that never happens with me, right? I always make good decks, right? Oh, for sure. All the time. All the time. Yeah, she's cringing. <laughs> you can't see her face right now. So... <laughs> Well, and it's it's because of your your own personality you want to do something off the wall and different and just see if something that shouldn't work can actually work and that's the type of player you are in, in many many games and um you know for your teammates it's fun and exciting to watch that work when it does work <laughs> and then it's just so frustrating when i'm watching you pick these cards and i'm like this is it's a disaster. How are you going to help me out here? But it's it's still fun. And yeah, it just it, it makes makes for a good time. So one of the complaints I've heard about this game is the lack of cohesion to feeling like you're part of these heroes. Because you as a player of the game, who are you in this superhero world? So we start the game, start the game with shield agents. But as you're playing the shield agents, you are buying hero cards um, from this marketplace and the hero cards you buy are quite random they come off the top of the deck and it depends on what how you shuffle them, which ones come out first so you can't necessarily say you know what i want to play as iron man and well guess what you might not see all the iron man cards coming out right away you might have to wait a little bit to see more iron man cards you can't just build a strictly iron man deck or the opposite is true we're like great they all come out but at the same time who are you in this game are you a shield operator no, because you kind of get rid of those cards if you can. But you're also not really a hero, too, because you can't really pull, make a hero deck. You're the string puller. You're you're Nick Fury. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You're, I don't see myself, like, when I play this game, I don't, I don't get immersed in that sense where it's not like, I am Iron Man. Um, but I'm, I'm the, I'm the boss, you know, I'm sending these guys off to do my bidding and save the world. Yeah, I agree with that too. I kind of get the same impression, and I kind of get the impression too that while I'm not a single character, I am the team of characters working together because if you watch the Avengers movie, which this obviously reminds me of in a lot of cases, is I'm playing as an Iron Man character card, and I'm going to use this card to combo off of a Doctor Strange card, for example. And so these two characters are working together to give me the attack points to take down the villain or whatever it is. I don't know if it personally that was the you know the intent or the not the strength of the game to make you feel like a character. I agree. What is the strength of the game to you? Well, I'm gonna go back on the cooperativeness and the the variety of it, and just trying to figure out, you know, given what you're given, make it work and and have fun. Yeah, there's a lot to this game. There's a lot of keywords, and every set that comes out involves adding new mechanics to the game. So after a while, it does wind up adding quite a bit to the game. It really does. And I heavily rely on Steve to remember what all those little symbols mean because I don't read any rule books. Anytime <laughs> Steve buys a brand new game or if we play a game and I don't remember anything, which I often don't remember the details of games, it's just Steve reteaching me everything. Kudos to you for remembering all the little... <laughs> hundred little symbols in this game and how they each work off each other. Um, so that's very helpful. Yeah, so this can be overwhelming if you look at the broad scope of all the expansions come off this game, all the keywords, all the mechanics. But like I said, the nice thing about the game, you only play with five heroes at a time, and most likely you're not going to see that many keywords or that many mechanics at one time in a game. You 
you could see a decent amount for sure, but it won't be overwhelming. Well, and that's also how you choose to set the game up. If you are handpicking your characters and your scenarios and your bad guys, you can, again, scale it to how intense you want it to be and how complicated of combos you want to try to dive into. Um, often, Steve and I will just randomly pick I say Steve and I, really Steve, because I make him set up the game as well. Because when you have five boxes of cards or however many, you know, he gets to do that. I'll shuffle all these cards and put them on the board, but he gets to figure out what we're doing. And then same for cleanup. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, that's a huge con for this game, too. I hear from a lot of people. The setup is such a pain because you're taking five heroes, shuffling all of them together in one big deck, taking there's a villain deck, which consists of like three or four different... uh, decks you can shuffle those up as well or more honestly and then you have a wound deck you have to worry about if you have the expansions that's got to be shuffled and all the bystanders you have to worry about that has to be shuffled and there's just a lot of shuffling a lot of decks you have to set up in advance but honestly while yes it does take time it does take a decent amount of time it's not doesn't feel like a lot compared to other games like i complain about the past about dungeon crawlers they just take forever to set up but I don't think Legendary really takes nearly as much time as a dungeon crawler like that to set up. And honestly, I can grab these decks, some off the side, and Kim's awesome. She just loves shuffling constantly. I have to tell her to stop shuffling at some point. I know. It's weird. I don't know why I like to shuffle cards. You know, when I was a kid, I'd grab a poker deck of cards and, like, try to do the big giant bridge and see how far I could go. And I don't know, just cards in my hand. And I think that's also why I like deck builders. And I think that's my favorite genre of game is a cooperative deck builder. So this game is right up my alley personally. Um, but yeah, Steve's right. I will shuffle until he says, okay, we're ready to play. <laughs> so it actually works out pretty well. My favorite because I can grab all the decks, some off the side, she shuffles them. And by the time I grab all the decks, it's all shuffled. We're ready to go. It didn't really t- t- take that long when working together to get this game going. And when putting it away... We'd work together to put the game away too, to separate all the cards. Yeah, because you do have to put them back in the right piles because if you don't, you'll never find the one missing Hulk or whatever that you need or you won't realize it's gone. <laughs> exactly. Or you'll be playing a game and have a random hero show up, which will actually happen in one of our games. Oh, it's happened a few times, but that's not a big deal. It's just like, oh. whoops. <laughs> yep. Though I will say it was thematically appropriate when that happened in one of our games when we had a random Nightcrawler appear in our decks <laughs> poof poof exactly <laughs> so the other point about this game is the player scaling so obviously kim and i play this game a lot together two player and that's by far my highest player count for this game and i think it works really well rules as written in that sense because of how we play it is we tend to look at the heroes that are involved in the game and we always pick like you know what i really want to focus on these this hero in this game and we tend to buy a lot of that card for us. So I might say, you know what? I feel like playing Doctor Strange a lot. And she'll like, okay, cool. I'll leave the Doctor Strange cards for you. Yeah, and we'll work together in that sense. Right. Um, so like typically when we first started playing, and still normally I'm always a ranged type of person. I'm going to shoot you from far away. Don't touch me type of character. Um, so we'll keep each other's styles in mind. Although lately in the other games we've been playing, I've been... Like a kind of smash and bash type character. You're sure to turn the uh, warrior. I'm going to beat people up type character. Um, yeah, I think I'm turning a new leaf. <laughs> so. <laughs> but no, it works out well in that sense for two player because there's enough options where if someone really needs that card, you can wait around or two for them to be able to buy it. 
Yeah, the downfall I think of Legendary is when you want to play with a lot of people. I don't think this game works with more than three very well because there's a lot of waiting and sitting around time if you're waiting to get to your turn um, because analysis paralysis happens a lot in this game. People don't know what they want to buy. You know, that, that wait time just kind of hinders the experience. And then also when you get up to higher player count, four or five players, it's going to be much harder to build the ideal deck as well, which is fun because it makes the game harder, but also it gets back to the point where if your deck isn't firing and it's just a big dud, yeah, it's not as much fun, but I think that's why Legendary's best is two, three players. I agree completely. I think the other thing worth mentioning is how the game works is when you flip over these villain cards, you'll put them in the city track. And as you flip over more cards, they'll start pushing each other closer and closer towards the end of the track, which is them escaping the city. And when the villains escape the city, bad things happen. And normally that means you have to get rid of a card in the hero market and possibly even discard cards from your hand. And maybe some other effects too, based upon the villain that is escaping. So in a two-player game, you start with a basic deck. You have a number of turns before you have to worry about one of those villains escaping. But on the higher player counts, you have almost zero turns before a villain is going to start escaping. So you don't have time to build up your deck to be able to deal with the threat at hand. So this is my biggest complaint about Legendary. The player scaling, I think, does not work at higher player counts. Another reason why I agree completely with what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, we've played with four players, and I think that's probably the max for me. Um, I don't think anything above that would really work. Again, I'd, I'd prefer two to three, though. Now, I've seen online in the forums, and I've tried this a couple of times, and I think it's a good solution, in that you delay flipping over the villain cards and higher player count games, so you give everyone opportunity to build their decks before you have to worry about things escaping. Now, granted, maybe when these cards escape, it's not a huge deal in the game, so maybe you don't really care. You just play the rules as written, but that's something to consider. And some people might like it that way. I don't know. It's all preference, but again. So one of the other things I want to put a little more focus on that was mentioned earlier in the episode was the artwork in this game. I think the artwork is phenomenal. The artwork is actually all original. And in the Corp game, it was the same artwork for the hero across all the different types of cards. But in all the other expansions after that, every type of card has its own unique artwork. And it really adds to the game and having this awesome artwork that's not pulled directly from a comic. That really adds to the game, in my opinion. Yeah, but it still looks like comic, pulling a lot of that base material. So if you like comics and you like looking at that type of graphic novel um, artwork, it's it's just a nice perk to this game. Definitely. And I will say that there is one set, at least, I know of that has artwork that's screen caps, and that is the Spider-Man Homecoming set. So that one is an exception to the rule, and honestly, that's one we didn't want to buying because we didn't care for that. This is the one with the screen caps from the movies themselves, the Marvel Universe that's movies? That's correct. Yeah, I had no interest in doing that because I think that then tries to get you into this whole other realm of Marvel, which, I don't know, those movie characters, those are the movie guys. I, I need a little breathing room and give me something a little different to look at. Marvel is everywhere, so... That's okay. The movies can stay the movies for me. So one of the other factors I like a lot about Legendary is what I call the power ceiling. So oftentimes in games, you have a, I don't know, a maximum power level you can bring your characters or your abilities to. 
In games like Aeon's End, which is another cooperative deck builder, they've done a pretty good job keeping that under control where it won't get out of hand. But in Marvel Legend, I feel like you can bring that power level up to a huge amount where you can do massive damage in a single turn. Oh yeah, you can crank it to 11. Again, if you get a deck that is well put and firing on all cylinders, you know, that's why sometimes I, you know, do that point count and it's it's just me playing the game. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's very true. If, if your deck fires and it's it's working together, yeah, you can, it's not a problem to beat the game. Yeah, I like having that high power sling. You can do some really ridiculous things. You can have decks of just four cards in my deck before. I think it's just like silly stuff that, I don't know, doesn't really make sense, but you can make it work. And it's just ridiculous, some things that you do. You Steve can get to a deck size of, I don't know, 10 cards, and he just it's this mechanism that just works, but he skims it down as lean as he can go just to see what limit he can hit to still make this thing work and it's fun and so kudos again for just being you <laughs> Thanks. so i think the other factor to talk about because this is a cooperative podcast is how's the cooperation in this game yeah we've talked about your own personal deck but how do they talk to each other and do they even talk to each other personally i think the cooperation in this game could be higher could be better i do feel like it's a little bit like multiplayer solitaire where I have my deck, you have your deck, and they kind of just do their own things. We're, we have the same goal in mind, so we're doing the same same stuff. We're working together that way, but I can't necessarily play a card to help Kim out, and she can't play a card to help me out. That'd be something awesome to fix this game. Now, I know in other games, other legendary games, like the Legendary Encounter series, they do have cards that let you do that. For example, Legendary Aliens has a coordinate uh, keyword, that lets you play that card on another player's turn so they get the effect. And you draw a card to replace it. In that Spider-Man Homecoming set in Marvel Legendary, they also added the coordinate keyword. But it's only that one set. And I kind of wish they had that keyword or that ability through all the sets. Or it's the core rules of Legendary. Yeah, there are a few cards that says another player could you know, heal a wound or something like that. But it's not a huge part of the game of the decks interacting with each other. Now, you mentioned we have the same goal, so we can strategize together and figure out, okay, if I'm working to clean out the city, a row of bad guys, maybe I'm doing a better job at that and more efficient at that, whereas you can continue working to try to hit the giant mastermind guy. So the strategy's there, I think. I agree. The strategy is there for how to approach it. And I do think there's also another strategy to deal with the scheme. I remember we played a game recently where I focused on making sure we didn't lose by the scheme, the evil plot that was in play. And in the process, it ruined my deck where I didn't have the power necessary to take down the mastermind. But I left that to you. And it actually worked out pretty well. You didn't have to worry about the scheme. I took care of that, and you managed to take on the big bad guy. Go team. So we mentioned earlier in the episode that the theme is superheroes. But how well does it feel like you're playing these superheroes? Or how well does it these heroes match their thematic abilities in the comic series. And I think they do in some cases and they don't in others. I think a prime example of that is Cyclops. His ability in Marvel Legendaries, he lets you discard cards to do more powerful attacks. But he has a one card in his deck that lets you, when you quote unquote discard it, bring it back to your hand immediately called Unending Energy. So you can, if you do have that card with other cards, you can combo together to do some awesome uh, focus blasts. But it doesn't really feel like Cyclops when I think about it. It doesn't really feel like his abilities. 
But then you have other cards like Professor X, its ultimate card lets you take a villain that you've destroyed and add it to the hero deck. You can quote unquote mind control him. So now when that card comes up later in your deck, now you can play that card as attack to, to take out the other bad guys. So I think in this game, there are some situations where yes, it is thematic and appropriate. In other games, it's pretty abstract and doesn't really fit. No, but I think that goes back to you know the, the feeling of the game where the, the cards are a means to get the mechanic across. Yeah, it's Marvel and yeah, it's the Marvel characters, but the game is more about the mechanics and not necessarily the, the character. But it helps that it's Marvel and superheroes because I like it, and that which that's what draws me to the game. So it's still a pro in my book to have that overarching theme. I mean, sometimes I think some people might take this game as being repetitive, even though there's a lot of variety in the game. Does that make any sense? Because again, the mechanics are all going to be similar in a sense from game to game. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that it has to do with the core mechanics are pretty basic. As I describe it, you're flipping over cards, they're filling a track, they're falling off the track. That's how the villain cards work. The hero cards are, you're looking at either one symbol, the team symbol, or another symbol, the special, the type of card, and you just need to play one of those cards generally to trigger other combos or abilities out of your deck later. And so with those two things, it's very, very simple. I know. So then some people are like, wait a minute, you guys, you just countered everything you talked about, you know, 20 minutes ago saying there's a lot of variety to this game. And there is a lot of variety because there are so many different symbols that can affect your decisions. But yeah, the overarching or sorry, the the basics of the game and the mechanics of the game to some people, I could understand how they might think it's or feel that it's repetitive i think this comes down to board game design honestly too where you kind of want to make a game where you have a solid foundation to build off of and then you have all these knobs you can turn and adjust to create unique and different scenarios and situations and i think that's what legendary does really well because like i said before if you need the symbol to trigger an ability well there are some keywords out there where now you need to have uh, multiple of that same symbol to trigger these abilities so now Every time you play this card, you can reduce the cost of other cards you buy in that game. Or now, instead of having the cards go directly to your discard pile, now you have this wall crawl ability, so now they go on top of your deck. And so it really changes how these cards interact and play. Yeah, your deck can change drastically from game to game. Again, your actions are always the same in terms of I draw a card or I buy a card from the headquarters and I'm than discarding to use their abilities. But it, isn't that the same with all games? I mean, you have your base mechanics and your base rules. So again, I'm not complaining, but I can see why some people may not have as many plays as, as we might have for this game. That's correct. So I think that's going to wrap up our discussion on Marvel Legendary. So Kim, what are your final thoughts on the game? How would you summarize your opinions of this? And who would you recommend this game to? So my final thoughts on Legendary are that it's one of my favorite games. Steve, when he asks, you know, what game, or do you want to play a game? Legendary is at the top of my list, and I'll typically always play that um, if we get a game to the table. So for me, again, I love it. It's a cooperative game. It's a deck builder, and it's a, a superhero Marvel theme 
that I enjoy. So the other nice thing about this game is, again, it's you can scale it. So you can bring in a new gamer into this world, I think with this game as a early introduction game, but yet it still holds up to experienced players. So the longevity of this game is immense, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. One thing we haven't mentioned is the core side of this game, in my opinion, is very basic and honestly on the probably too easy side. But the next expansion that came out with was Dark City, and that drastically increased the difficulty and made it a lot more fun. So it's actually a really nice entry point if you are not familiar with the hobby and you want to get people into the game. You can totally play the core set and have a good time with it. And then once you feel comfortable with it, yeah, buy the expansion and boost up the difficulty. So I agree with Kim. I really like this game a lot. This is definitely up there with my top deck builders, uh, Aeon's End being the other one that we do play and we both do enjoy. Yeah, that's a fun one too. Yep, and that one's, that one's fun. It's got a lot of interesting mechanics in it. But this one, I like it, like it because of the variety in it. I feel like I will never play the same game twice in this one. It's always something new to explore and experience. And at this point, I think there's like the 18th expansion came out for it or something ridiculous like that. Oh yeah, and they're going to keep coming. It, it's a moneymaker, so why not? <laughs> exactly. And with the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe being as popular as it is, they have a lot of interest, a lot more characters they can pull from. And comics itself, they have a ton of characters in comics. So this is this is a uh, IP that can last for a while. There's a ton of source material. Exactly. So now, who would I recommend this game to? I do not recommend this game to people who want to play a higher play count, for sure. I think that's a strong point that needs to be considered. I do not recommend this for, I agree with what Kim said, anybody of, any players above three. Three is okay. Two is ideal. One, you can play solo if you want. It's fine. Obviously, if you like the Marvel Universe, you're going to like this game a lot more. We had a friend who loved Dominion and played that a lot, and we introduced him to Marvel Legendary, and it was okay to him, but he didn't know the characters, and so he wasn't as much into it. I think the theme helps carry this game a bit. Oh, the other thing is the luck. You can have pretty wild swings in this game with how the game is set up in advance and what the cards come out during the game. It can really make things both good and bad. Like, for example, there's some schemes that say when X number of scheme twists come out of the main deck, you lose the game. And if you happen to have a lot of scheme twists at the top of the deck, yeah, you might just end the game sooner than you expected, and that could be a bummer. And you re there's really nothing you do about that with some caveats or exceptions of cards. So luck can be a factor. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, that kind of makes it interesting to me because if you fail right away, personally, I, I'm going to turn around and say, no, we got to do better than this because I'm not going to be a loser. Let's go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I'm okay with that. Um, it's I guess it's just everyone's own personal take on that. Admittedly, we haven't seen that happen a whole lot either. We've had, I don't know, more than 100 plus plays of this game easy between the two of us or with the two of us and when those times do come up it's very pretty rare and we just play again immediately anyways like i said before this game has a high power ceiling so it makes it really fun if you like to mess with and explore different concepts and see how high you can take these decks and what the extent you can explore and that's what i like about this game a lot if you could have a single card deck you would oh yeah just like... <laughs> if i could no <laughs> So it makes it really fun for me to explore this. So the variety is a, an incredible in this game. Absolutely incredible. 
we have, I think, 50 masterminds at this point in our collection. Like yeah. over 80 schemes and we're approaching 150 heroes to choose from. It's yeah. You're looking at me like I know how many of these cards that we have. I have no idea. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> so it's pretty awesome. And this, actually, the other nice thing is we like watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And it's fun to go to theater, watch these movies, and come back. And there's normally a scheme, and you normally have the heroes at this point, where you can recreate scenes of that movie. It makes it kind of fun. That's really dorky, but it's okay. We enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that said, let's that's going to wrap up our episode. I can thank my lovely wife, Kim, for joining me in this podcast. Well, you're very welcome, dearest. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us on Slack, I'll have a link to join in the show notes below. You can always reach us at onestopcoopshop at gmail.com. And as always, join us next week when Mike and Peter cover another game. And we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop, where you can get great game playthroughs and five and five reviews. If you want to have a conversation with us, the best place to reach out to all of us is on the Slack channel. The links are in the show notes. You can also talk to us on Twitter at MVP Board Games or email us at MVPBoardGames at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next week with another top five list. Thank you for being my my Yoda. Teacher, I will, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Some situations where yes, it is thematic and appropriate. In other games, it's pretty abstract and doesn't really fit. Sure. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. That, that might be a blooper. <laughs> Quick post edit. I realize I never said goodbye. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>